Our scripture passage this morning is from Acts chapter 9. I not only invite you, I encourage you to follow along. Um, if you do not have a Bible, you probably have a phone or a tablet. If you don't have that, you should be able to find a Bible in a chair uh, near you. You'll find Acts chapter 9 on page 917. And if you can read that small print, you're much, much younger than I. Acts chapter 9, we'll be reading uh, the first uh, 19 verses. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, and go to the street called Straight, and at a house, at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Here ends the reading of God's most holy word. May it accomplish all that he requires. Thank you, Tim. Let's pray together. Father, we are, we are grateful to you for your word, the living word, your written word. And I pray now that as we have opened up your word, we desire to hear from you. We ask that you would, by your spirit, 
give us understanding and use your word to accomplish your good purpose and will in all of our lives. Enable me to say what your word says. Give all of us the ability to understand, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, um, passage that we're going to be, uh, our sermon text for today is verses 12 through 17, where Paul again tells the story of his conversion. Tim read the longer version of it in Acts 9. I think we, we have all heard plenty of bad news in recent days. Um, crime is reportedly on the rise. We hear of mass shootings. We hear of cars driving into crowds of people at high rates of speed. I guess something that happened even yesterday again. Cases of abuse show up everywhere. God's standard of righteousness is attacked relentlessly. Lawlessness is so prevalent. We could go on and on. Sin has always been a problem. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Andy Giesman was with us, and he said he's alarmed at the speed at which our culture is spiraling down. But the problem isn't just out there. Maybe you remember the condition of your own life prior to your conversion. I, I certainly remember what I once was. I, I remember that all too well. And it wasn't good. Even more, we still battle our remaining sin, our flesh. And we also know today that as followers of Christ, the enemy is still actively hurling his fiery darts at us. The Christian life is not easy. Uh, ministry is not easy. When I say ministry, if you're a Christian, you are in ministry. You are called to serve. You're called to make disciples. You're called to love people. So ma making disciples can be a challenge. But today I want you to know how you can fight the good fight of faith. Faithfully, to the end. Um, God gives us some good news in this text today. Now, in the first letter to Timothy, Paul wants to exhort and encourage Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Be faithful to discharge all the duties of your responsibility. But never, but never did Paul tell Timothy to pull up his own bootstraps and just try harder. Paul in fact, modeled and Paul taught Timothy to depend not upon himself, but depend, to de depend upon God, and, and for good reason. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But when Paul exhorted Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, um, he, he not only said that, but Paul himself modeled that. And, and he did that enduring a great deal of suffering and persecution himself. Uh, you, you'll also remember that Paul caused Christians to suffer prior to, prior to him being saved. And then after his conversion, he himself endured prison. He endured floggings and 
sleepless nights and being in danger of bandits. He experienced shipwrecks and being falsely accused, and we could go on and on. And, and when Paul was experiencing that, do you know who had a front row seat of all of those things? Um, yes, it was Timothy, his beloved spiritual son. And Timothy seemed to be a bit more timid than Paul. Uh, Timothy witnessed up close so much of what Paul endured, so much so that maybe he thought, I, I, I'm not sure I want to go through all of what Paul went through. I don't, I'm not sure I can endure all of this. And certainly from the content of both of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, it seems that Timothy, again, struggled a bit more with the weight of responsibility that came with ministry. Uh, sometimes ministry or making disciples can be difficult. But Paul, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that he had learned how to stay focused on ministry, how, how to stay focused on serving other people even when it was extremely difficult, even when he had himself unmet needs, even to the point where at times he said he went hungry without food. Paul says in Philippians 4.13 that he learned that he can do all things through him who strengthens him, through Christ who strengthens him. That, that was the secret that he had learned. His life and his ministry were totally depended upon the, the person of Christ and the power of Christ at work in him and through him. So our, our sermon text today is 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. And here in this text, Paul briefly rehearses his confer, conversion. And as I mentioned, Tim read the longer version found in Acts 9. But here, Timothy... Uh, in, in 1 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy, and he reminds us, of God's work in his life to save him. And he does that because at the end of verse 11, there in chapter 1, which Lucas taught last week, Paul reminded Timothy how he had been entrusted with the glorious gospel of our blessed God. And this gospel is powerful. Uh, transforming people from being enemies of God to being lovers of God. Uh, Timothy was given the responsibility to command certain teachers to no longer teach false doctrines. Um, false doctrines don't save, and it won't change lives. But people will be gloriously transformed through the gospel of our blessed God. But with the gospel you have, in fact, the hope and you have the expectation of being dramatically transformed. And so Paul exhorts Timothy to be faithful in ministry, even if it's hard, but he also encourages Timothy with how the gospel has been at work in his own life. And we'll see that here in this text today. That is, in fact, what fueled his desire and ability to fight the good fight of the faith. So join me this morning in entertaining that question. What is it that fuels your desire and ability to fight the good fight of the faith, even if it's hard? Uh, Paul begins in verse 12 by expressing his gratitude. 
Uh, he, he is thankful to Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says in verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now, we're not, when we're talking about being thankful, we're not talking about drumming up some attitude of gratitude just because you think it's a technique that will serve you well. Uh, we're, we're talking about actually recognizing what is true in your life because you belong to Jesus Christ. And the first thing for which Paul is thankful to Christ Jesus our Lord for is this. Jesus gives him strength. Paul, Paul experienced that all the time. Uh, I, I've already mentioned Philippians 4.13 where Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12-13, through 13, Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul, Paul says change happens, and serving or ministering to others well happens because the power of God is at work in you. Uh, in 2 Corinthians Paul talks about experiencing suffering so severe that he despaired of life itself. That, that was said by this great, courageous Apostle Paul. But he says there in chapter 1, verse 9, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So the power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that is at work in the life of the believer. Um, our, our danger is to rely on ourselves, to kind of go through our day and to engage in ministry and to build relationships and love people just relying upon our own natural abilities. That's a danger. But God, in His grace, often puts us in situations where we're forced to learn not to rely upon ourselves, but to rely on Him for strength. To come to the place where he said, I, I don't have what it takes to love this person. I don't have what it takes to be faithful in this responsibility. When we come to the end of our road, so to speak, we are more ready to recognize how dependent we are upon the person and power of Christ. And, and so in this text today, Paul reminds Timothy that power for ministry, even ministry that includes doing hard things, comes from God. Paul is genuinely thankful to Christ Jesus our Lord for giving him strength. Uh, Paul was never alone. Um, when Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus ends by saying, and truly, I am with you always to the end of the age. So his presence with us enables us, empowers us to do the very things that he's called us to do. This morning, I hope you are thankful in your heart, thankful to God for the sustaining and enabling power of Christ at work in you. A second thing that Paul is thankful to Jesus for is this. He says, I thank him who judged me faithful. Now, 
in the very next verse, Paul reminds us that he wasn't faithful. (laughs) But Jesus counted him as faithful. Jesus considered him faithful. And thirdly, Paul's thankful because Jesus appointed him to his service or to ministry. It's not that Jesus looked at the life of Paul or the track record of Paul and declared him to be faithful based on his past performance. And Paul wasn't appointed to minister to others in the name of Jesus because Paul's life was filled with so much goodness. All the opposite is in fact true. Verse 13 tells us that Paul was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. So instead, Jesus appointed Paul because he, that is Jesus, was confident and sure of the work that he would do in the life of Paul and through Paul. And so that is why the second major point today of the sermon is this, as we look to verse 13, that what fueled Paul's desire and ability was not just being thankful to Christ, but also his humility. Um, Paul was humbled by the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. When, when we talk about humility, uh, we're not talking about an attitude that says, ah, oh, shucks, I can't do anything well. That's, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about humility. Humility, instead, genuinely recognizes that if there is anything good in me, it is, in fact, Jesus at work in me and through me, and it's all for his glory. I can't take any of the credit. God gets all of the credit. In this case, Paul will not take any credit for his conversion or for his ministry. It's all God. In verses 13 and 14, Paul says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So, This letter that Paul writes to Timothy was written 25 or 30 years after Paul's conversion. But but still, he is filled with thankfulness, he's filled with humility. When he thinks about the mercy and the grace that God poured out into his life, Uh, Paul wasn't stuck in the past, but he never forgot what he once was. He, He says, I was a blasphemer. In other words, he was constantly speaking against Christ. He had contempt for Christ. He doubted Christ in the things that he said, and worse yet, Paul associated the identity and work of Christ, not with God, but with the evil one. That was the life that he lived. And we also are told that he was a persecutor. Paul Paul was actively harassing and seeking to harm Christians. And when Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus, Jesus asked, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul was also an insolent opponent. He was angry. He was a violent man towards Jesus and his followers. He he had a rude and arrogant lack of respect towards Jesus and his followers. Paul Paul was not a nice man. Um, Paul gave his life being violently opposed to Jesus. What, What a testimony. He never forgot that. Paul never forgot what he once was. But Paul 
says, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Um, this mercy uh, included Jesus having pity on Paul. Je Jesus didn't treat Paul as he deserved. Paul could have, in fact, should have expected the wrath of God, but instead Jesus had compassion on Paul. And the text says it was because Paul had acted ignorantly in unbelief. That doesn't mean Paul is off the hook. Ignorance isn't, isn't bliss. Paul, Paul didn't know God. And that's the ironic part because Paul would have thought that he was opposing Jesus because of his love for God. But in truth, Paul was ignorant and lived in unbelief toward God and Jesus. He had an unwillingness to believe what was plainly taught about Jesus. And that was because sin ruled his heart and life. Paul, Paul was dead spiritually. And in response to that, Jesus had pity on Paul. This favorable treatment was completely undeserved. It, it was, in fact, the, the opposite of what he really deserved. But nonetheless, Jesus had pity and compassion on Paul. And then in verse 14, Paul says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So mercy and grace are similar, but, but both are a blessing, but mercy focuses more on the the just punishment that is withheld, and grace focuses on the giving of undeserved favor. And when Paul says, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me, he is saying that he experienced an extraordinary abundance of undeserved favor in the gift of faith and love that came from Jesus. Again, 25 or 30 years after his conversion, and he was still utterly amazed that God did not pour out his just wrath on him for being a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent opponent of Jesus. Instead, Jesus lavishly poured out mercy and grace on Paul. Remembering this kept him humble. Um, Paul, Paul didn't have great thoughts about his own life. Paul had great thoughts about the life of Jesus in him. Paul, Paul was enamored with Jesus, not, not himself. And so both gratitude and humility fueled Paul's desire and ability to fight the good fight of faith even when it was hard. But all of this points to, and, and in fact is really built upon the third thing that I want you to see, and that is the gospel. Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save sinners. Verses 15 and 16 say this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of, of full acceptance. So Paul, Paul wants Timothy to know. And the Spirit wants you to know that the false teachers were teaching things that were nothing more than empty talk that lacked the power to change lives. Instead, here is something that is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. And so Paul's saying, pay, pay attention to this. 
This is important. This has the power to change your life. This will empower you for ministry. This has the power to give you, in fact, eternal life. So here it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Verse 16. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So it, it is really true that if Jesus could save Paul, he could save anyone. <laughs> and all of us should also say today, if Jesus could save me, he could save anyone. That, that's being honest, that's being humble, about what we once were, and at the same time amazed and in all of what God has done through Christ to save us. Now, there, there are a number of other things here that we don't want to miss either. First, Christ came into the world to save sinners. It doesn't say that Christ came into being, because as the Son of God, He has always existed with God the Father in eternity past. God the Father sent God the Son from heaven to the earth for the purpose of saving sinners. In Matthew 20, Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was God's initiative. That was God's plan. That was God's work to save sinners, to save people from their own sin, though they deserved God's wrath. And Jesus was willing to come. To, to leave the glories of heaven and to come to a sin-cursed world as a man born of a woman and to give his life on the cross as an atonement for our sin. And, and so it is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. But then Paul adds, of whom I am the foremost. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. But, but God had mercy on me. And what God did with Paul is an example of the perfect patience of Jesus who came to save those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What Jesus did on the cross in his death, his, then his burial and his resurrection, what Jesus did in his work actually purchased the redemption for those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He, he knew who you were. <laughs> Jesus went to the cross in obedience to his Father, and he went there for the purpose of saving those the Father had given to him to save. He, he came to save God's elect, not, not just to make salvation possible, but to actually save those that he came to save. I mean, think about the testimony of Paul. Well, was he looking for salvation when Christ saved him? No, not, not at all. In fact, he was looking to imprison anyone who belonged to Jesus. That was the desire of his heart. He was a violent persecutor of those who loved Jesus. That was the very thing that Paul was doing when Jesus sought him and pursued him 
to save him. So salvation really is undeserved. It's an unsought favor from God. But Jesus came for those who were to believe on him for eternal life. Um, our, Our testimonies really are not much different than Paul. Most of what we would say about our lives would line up with where Paul was in varying degrees. Um, I certainly, as I look back at where I was in my life, I, I, I was not desiring God. I was anti- I had a, in college, I had a roommate that invited me to a Bible study in the dorm room right next to me. And the very thing that I loved to do was to disrupt that Bible study and to do all that I could just to pester the work that they were doing. That was, that was what was in my heart at the very time that the Holy Spirit began to really convict me and draw me to himself. So Paul here tells us that Jesus came to those who were to believe on him for eternal life. And, and what is eternal life. I want you to listen to what Jesus says about it in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 as he's nearing the time where he's going to go to the cross. John 17 verses 1 through 3, uh, we read this, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. (laughs) So, Jesus came so that you will know God. That you will be restored to a right relationship with God, that you will live every day, now and for eternity, in communion with the true and living God. What a, what a blessing, what a generous gift that God gives to sinners. That's the gospel. It's the work that God did for sinners through Christ so that you can know God and live in communion with him. This fueled Paul's desire and ability to fight the good fight of the faith. And the more that Paul thought about these things, the more likely he was to break out in doxology. Um, And what is a doxology? It is a heartfelt expression of praise to God. Our, Our God and King who is worthy of honor and glory forever. Verse 17, Paul says, To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, Paul just couldn't contain himself anymore. Um, This is the kind of thing you might think would happen at the end of a letter, but here, he's just beginning this letter, and he's as he rehearses the work that God did through Christ to save him, he he just couldn't contain himself. He broke out in this doxology. Paul Paul said, to the king of ages, to our our God who is a ruler over all, from 
eternity past, now and forevermore. Uh, praise be to the King of ages, who is immortal. He, he will not die. Um, he will never change. He talks about the King of the ages, who is invisible, who is over all creation and not confined to one place and time, and yet sent Jesus into the world to reveal the Father to us. Praise be to the only God. The only God who has no rivals, who alone is a creator and sustainer of all things and reigns supreme over all. This, to this God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy needed to hear the rehearsal of those truths. Um, you and I need to hear those truths rehearsed again and again. While life and ministry for a follower of Jesus will face challenges of many kinds, nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult for our God. And our God, who is the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, this God sent Jesus into the world to save sinners. This blessed God pours out abundant mercy and grace on those that he came to save. Our God gives strength to be transformed and to do his will for his glory now and forevermore. And he calls us to repent and believe, to trust him. So again, Timothy was a bit timid at, in ministry at times. Um, and I said as we began, and I'll say as we close here now, living the Christian life, quite honestly, is beyond our own innate ability. We, we can't live the Christian life in our own strength. Um, loving people, uh, serving people, ministering to people, making disciples is beyond our own innate ability. But thankfully, we're not alone. We are not alone. Our life and our ministry are built on and depended upon God's power at work in us. We can live the Christian life, and we can serve others well because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus, because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in our lives. Are you this morning thankful to God for his power and work in you? Are, are you humble before God as you remember his abundant mercy and grace given to you? Undeserved, unsought favor that he lavishly poured out into your lives. Are, are you filled with hope because of the gospel because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. As you reflect on those things, are you also filled with praise for our, our God? What, what a privilege it is to gather together to rehearse these truths that will lead us to the place where we, in fact, do want to sing his praises to bless his name. So let's pray, and we'll give you an opportunity as we close to do that very thing. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing thing it is as we think about the life of Paul, as we think about our own lives, as I remember 
all too well the condition of my own life and heart prior to my conversion and, and how I, I know I'm here today because you sought me, you pursued me, you saved me, and it's an expression of your mercy. You didn't give me what I deserve. You, you lavished your kindness upon me. I, I didn't even seek after that, but you, by your Spirit, through Christ, by the power of Christ, the resurrected Christ, did a work of grace in my heart and life and brought me from spiritual death to spiritual life. And Father, I'm thankful for this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy and how Timothy was reminded and how we are reminded that doing things that you call us to do sometimes are difficult and in fact bring us to the end of our own strength. But Father, this morning we're reminded and we're thankful that you are with us that Christ, his life, is our life, that the Spirit dwells with us and empowers us to do the very things that you've called us to do. We can change and grow. We can be transformed because of your work in our life. Father, I pray for each one here this morning. I pray for those that might be here this morning who have not yet come to the place where they have repented and put their faith in Jesus. But I pray, Father, that your spirit would draw them to yourself and that you would lead them to repent and believe the good news of Jesus. But Father, I pray also for those of us who have already, already been given life in Christ, already are trusting in Jesus, but sometimes grow weary and sometimes are gripped with their own weakness and need to be reminded of your strength, your power that enables us to love well, to serve well, to minister well. Lord, help us to go from here today not uh, full of ourselves, but really full of your spirit, full of Christ, full of the life, the power that you give. And in doing so, may we live and when, may we minister in a way that would reflect the character of Christ. And may it be for the praise and glory of your matchless name. You are worthy. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.